Frosted Leaf is Denver's most innovative dispensary. What I like about Frosted Leaf would probably be their knowledgeable bud tenders, their online kiosk, their online ordering, and then just pick up at the store. And then they're always getting new genetics as well, so that's always cool. Like Edgar mentioned, Frosted Leaf gives you no lines, no weight, and a self-paced direct shopping experience that allows a fast yet comfortable transaction without the awkwardness of a waiting room. Not only does Frosted Leaf have the hottest strains, but they also offer a rewards program that will help towards your purchases. I would recommend Frosted Leaf to a friend and I would tell them to look forward to different strains and to knowledgeable help. Check out Frosted Leaf's three Denver locations and download their app today. Welcome in to the BSN Nuggets podcast. Joined by a special guest, Mason Plumlee. I thought he was going to knock that ref out in L.A. <laughs> Coaches will get testy with officials, but to run out onto the court and yeah. cut him off, yeah. I've never seen that before. You should have taken a charge on him. <laughs> A special guest, Darrell Arthur. When did you first realize Nicole Jokic was good? He was in Philadelphia for Jameer's kind of like team bonding thing, and I knew it right away that he was going to be good. He was making great passes and good reads and stuff like that, and I said, this kid's going to be good. He turned out to be a star. He has a great upside to him, and I know he'll be a Hall of Famer once he's done playing. And now, here's your hosts, Harrison Wind and Christian Clark. What's up? Welcome to the BSN Nuggets podcast. As always, we're presented by The Green Solution. Visit any one of their 17 Colorado locations or browse their entire inventory online. MyGreenSolution.com. Reserve products online and pick up at your local TGS Express checkout. You'll be in and out in minutes. Use promo code BSN20 for 20% off your entire purchase. Harrison Wind and Christian Clark here from Portland Saturday morning after the Nuggets and Blazers thriller last night in game three. Also joined by a special guest. We were all on the same podcast last night on Locked on Nuggets. We're back here on another podcast this morning, currently in an Airbnb around 15 minutes. What are we? East of Moda Center? The site of last night's thriller. We're somewhere in Portland, but Brennan Vogt to my left, denversips.com. How are you feeling the morning after? Uh, well, the last thing I did before I went to bed was podcast with you guys. The first thing I did, I'm doing as I woke up this morning, is podcasting with you guys. Uh, I feel sore from my car accident. I feel like I've gone through a traumatic event from that basketball game, and I can't imagine how the players are feeling right now. Two podcasts in eight hours. We are so lame. So lame. I don't know if I'm recovered from that one. I don't know if I'll be for quite a while. I mean, the range of emotions that you go through last night, even if you're just watching this game, and you know, Nuggets fans out there, Blazers fans out there as well. So real quick, the, the, the logistics of last night's Blazers win, 141-37, four OTs, the only four-overtime playoff game, or, or the second four-overtime playoff game in NBA history – the first one and the only other one was in 1950 something, I believe, 1953. Pretty sure George Mikan was still dominating the league back then. But if we're going to go with one big takeaway from this night, Christian, is it Nikola Jokic? Is it Jamal Murray? Is it just the atmosphere there? I don't think anybody in that arena sat down for the last hour of that game 
What's going to be maybe one lasting takeaway from this one for you? Well, I do feel like Terry Stotts in that I have no idea what happened, uh, only that Rodney Hood scored a lot of points late in the game. But, oh, man, if, if I had to rack my brain, probably just Nikola Jokic playing 65 minutes and just some of the sheer minutes totals in this game. I, I've never seen anything like that. I mean, Michael Malone said that said the same thing, you know, a basketball lifer. That was, that was pretty much what everybody was saying. Like, are we ever going to see a guy log 65 minutes in a game again? And we've said 65 minutes so many times now that it's becoming normalized and normal to hear, and it shouldn't be. Like, when, you, when you hear the, the phrase 65 minutes, you're always going to think about this game, right? Yes, always. No 65 minutes. This will be ingrained in Nuggets lore. Forever. He, he didn't just play 65. He, he shined bright for virtually every second of it. Of course, what's fresh right now is that missed free throw. But if you had any questions about if Jokic can and would step up in the playoffs as a team's best player, they are answered. And the answer is a resounding yes. Yeah, can we just talk about what Jokic has done in these playoffs? Please. Re- real quick. Here's what he's averaging in the playoffs right now. 24.8 points on... Around 50% shooting from the field, 40% from three. 12.6 rebounds, 9.1 assists per game. We've been pretty adamant on this podcast all year that Nikola Jokic was going to be a beast come playoff time. Has he lived up to your guys' expectations across two playoff series now? Has he exceeded them? Has he fallen short? Where's he at on that range for you? I mean, he's probably been the third best player in the playoffs so far, right? Right. I would put him behind Duran and Kawhi Leonard, and maybe you could make an argument for some guys, but I had really high expectations for him coming in. I, 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 you know, one of the, the staunchest believers in him, and I think he's only exceeded those expectations, to be honest with you. I, I, I just can't believe how well he's managed you know, all this extra added pressure and stress from an emotional standpoint. Even last night, you know, one of the most disappointing losses of his career – he came in there and, and was pretty sunny and was cracking jokes in, in his postgame presser, and I think that move's just so important for the rest of the team. Yeah, sometimes we look at that demeanor and we wonder, does it hold him back? Does it hold his team back as they take on the personality of their best player? In some contexts, but I think in this one, there's a lot of value in that, how really composed Jokic is and how what he just did, historic in nature, um, worthy of discussion and conversation for years to come, is nothing to him. Right. That's probably the part that stands out to me the most. And what's crazy, guys, is I, w- I look at this postseason run and I think he can be better. Yeah. Which he is can hard. be better. It's hard to really put that into perspective, but I think he can. He certainly can. Um, he probably hasn't been defensively what he was in that San Antonio series. Nope. I don't think anybody expected him to with just the dynamic guards Portland has compared to the Spurs backcourt, but offensively, you know, he's been every bit of what he was in the first round. And yeah, he probably even has some, some room to grow here. I mean, for me, he's definitely exceeded expectations. I I had high hopes of what he was going to be in his first playoff series, but just the consistency, the just tenacity he's brought really for most of the quarters, for most of the possessions he's been out on the floor for has been, I mean, unbelievable. Off the court, he's been as composed as ever. Has he seemed to you, Brendan, more relaxed than he even was in the regular season? Because this has been one of my things all playoffs. He's almost seemed more at home in the playoffs than the regular season. I agree with you. I think this comes sort of naturally to him playing in big games. 
And I almost think we've seen, to, to Christian's point about his presser last night, a concerted effort on his part to, to really sort of give that off and, and maybe hope that some of it rubs off on his teammates. He does not get, get flustered, really. I mean, game one of San Antonio, it seemed that way. But I feel like that's more with the results on the court, his teammates missing shots. The pressure of the moment itself, mm-hmm. I don't think it gets to Jokic. And I, and I do, I agree with you. I think he's in his Zen garden right now when everyone else is, is feeling the pressure. Yeah, remember when Paul George had the whole call me playoff P thing? Yes. Like, this is the exact opposite of the approach. Like, Jokic is just like, yeah, this, this is just some more basketball. Exactly. Like, these are just yeah. some extra games. And I think it's working out perfectly for him. Yeah, he, he's certainly not a guy who seems like he's ever going to succumb to playoff pressure or anything. But it's been a crazy playoffs for him. And, I mean, his stat line last night, 33 points, 18 rebounds, 14 assists, 65 minutes, of course. Four or seven from threes. He's continues to hit his threes in the playoffs here. Eight turnovers. But, I mean, in 65 minutes, you're really going to take that with how many passes he makes, how involved he is, his usage rate in this one. Yeah, and, you know, I asked him after the game just – I guess about the perception of him that he's an out of shape athlete, right? That's that's the joke everybody likes to make on Twitter, and I, that's just the nature of Twitter. But but Jokic kind of pushed back on that. Um, he, he said they're talking about I'm not in shape. I'm in really good shape. I don't know what they're talking about. Even when I came here, I was maybe a little bit chubby. There is no difference even now. I'm feeling good to be honest out there. I guess I took that to mean, hey, I, I'm actually in pretty good shape, even though I pretty much look the same as I did my rookie year. Well, he's had some interesting comments about that over the last couple of seasons. And, you know, you got the feeling that and you continue to get to get the feeling this season that he's really comfortable at the weight he's at and how strong he is. Like he said stuff about how he got pushed around the last couple of years in the post and he's not getting pushed around that much this season because he's just bigger and he's stronger and he's got more lower body power, it seems like. I, I mean, we've talked about him getting into shape, dropping weight. It's a theme around training camp and media day every summer. Is this a fine weight for him and a fine just build for him to have? It seems like it's working out all right. That That's very possible. And, and it also, I think, Harrison, the way he – the he doesn't necessarily toss the iron around and he doesn't play above the rim. And I actually think it all contributes to a dynamic that allows him to stay on the court first and foremost. This is not a guy that gets injured. And I think that's part of it. Uh, You never see him on the floor. You never see him on the floor ever. I'm always like stunned when Jokic is on the floor because he's, you know, he never gets knocked down. And he played 65 minutes last night and he excelled in almost all of them. Was he gassed coming in? Was he gassed by the end? Yes. But how do we how do we gauge that any 24 year old seven footer in their first playoffs would be gassed at this point? So it's hard to know if that's a conditioning thing or if he's just learning what this grind is. There were guys out there who looked more tired than he did last night. I thought at the end, Jamal Murray, he looked more tired than Nikola Jokic. Damian Lillard, he looked more fatigued than Nikola Jokic. I thought down the stretch. Not CJ McCollum. Right, CJ McCollum was one of the guys who. Looked like he could play the full 50. He could have played a fifth and six. The full 60. I didn't think Jokic was as tired as I thought he would be after 56 minutes, as crazy as that sounds. Yeah, I'm kind of with you. I mean, I just couldn't beat, I couldn't believe how upbeat he was after the game. Uh, We've got a delivery. 
um, some concoction that Christian just made in the uh, oven, I guess, of this Airbnb. Breakfast casserole? Yeah. Tried to. You'll be demolishing that in about 30 minutes here. Oh. I'm just happy to see a smile on Christian's face. Christian was in a bad place last night. Well, I, th- I was so stressed out after the game, I, I threw in a dip, and I, I don't think that helped at all. <laughs> I, was, I was, like, shivering on the couch when I was trying to go to bed. <laughs> oh, man. So, I mean, what, what else is going to stick out to this game from you guys? I mean, personally... Another thing I'm going to remember is how terrible Jamal Murray looked in the lead-up to this game, how he was hobbling around during pregame warm-ups, could barely get through his pregame routine about an hour before this game tipped off, and then he just goes out there and puts in 34 points, nine rebounds, five assists. Didn't have a turnover, I don't think, until the second half. Yeah, he's a gamer, right? We right. know that. We just, I mean, look. There's nothing we can say about Jamal's toughness and durability that we haven't said already. He's going to gut it through whatever it is. He's clearly banged up, clearly debilitated, but it didn't stop him from making a massive impact last night. It, him being tired mattered in the most, one of the most pivotal moments of the game, that shot he settled for. But again, like, is that injury stuff or is that just 22-year-old in the, the sixth quarter of his 10th playoff game of the season? Yeah, I mean, apart from just the ridiculous minutes in this game, I thought, you know, maybe the second thing that that really stood out to me was Denver's two franchise cornerstones just showing out in their biggest game to date of this season. I mean, Jokic and Murray were were fantastic. Um, There wasn't a lot of nits you could pick with Jokic's game except for that missed free throw, which is pretty excusable with how long he was in there. You know, Murray was, was pretty brilliant for most of this game, but there definitely were some nits you could pick with with what he was able to do last night. I mean, Jamal is such an incredible shot maker. I mean, just there aren't that many guys in this league who have that ability, and it's so valuable come playoff time. But, man, there were some plays on, on defense and, and just bringing the ball up the floor and handling pressure that, that stuck out. Hey, they, they gave him pressure almost the whole way, almost all night. And mm-hmm. I think we've all sort of been talking about that all season long, but I think we can all remember when Lonzo Ball picked him up and picked his pocket and – I think since that moment, we've all sort of been worried about this approach by teams in the playoffs. A team shouldn't look at a starting point guard and think, ooh, we can just pressure him. Like, that's, that's the weakness. We can force a turnover. It, it mattered in one of the most critical moments of the game. They're not in that game without the way Jamal played positively, but these, the whole Jamal experience was encapsulated yeah, in this game. It was a bit representative of just his season. <laughs> To be honest, yeah, and, and I mean, pressuring Monte Morris like that, like picking up full court, is almost unthinkable. They wouldn't do it. You yeah, I mean, yeah. Monte would, would just blow by him. I mean, they would they would just have to foul immediately. And, so, and on the other end, it's it's still just as basic. We're not necessarily talking about like pick and roll defense. Guys just blow right past Jamal, and and this is someone who is so competitive and has such a competitive fire, he has to find that on the defensive end and find pride. He may be limited physically on that end, but there are times where you, where you watch him and you go, that can't be all you have to give. And that's why this team, for me, while they probably have an offense that might not have a ceiling long-term around Jokic, uh, around Jamal, they're going to need better defense at the point of attack probably to... You know, get to that contender status, I think. Especially without a true wing, right? Yeah. And so much of that Jokic defensive conversation is what we know watching this team every day is that they don't have a true wing defender and their point of attack defender is the worst defender on the roster. 
Right. And and when you are a, a, an athletically limited center, I mean, it's all compounded. So, like you said, offensively, these guys fit together so well. On the other end of the court, it's not a great fit, at least at least until there's improvement on that end. Yeah, and Jokic has looked better defensively, I think, this playoffs than I thought he was going to look going in. Now we are, are halfway into, maybe not even halfway into a series where he's playing against some really dynamic guards. And obviously, I don't think his defense has looked as good as it did in the Spurs series, as I don't think anybody expected it to against the Warriors or Rockets. If Denver advances, that's a whole other story. Some of that's energy conservation, right, though? I think Jokic is better at this than he's been given credit for, and I don't think he knew this would go four overtimes. Sure. But I do think there are times where he could contest a player, maybe go for a block, but that exerted energy or that potential foul is not worth it to him. And, of course, you see that sort of pay dividends as the game goes on, and he has a little left in the tank. I'd like to see a little bit better effort. Um, you got to... Jokic has to dominate that canter matchup for the most part he has, but I do think some of it is just him kind of picking his spots. Well, with him, I think he pretty much exemplifies that a lot of defense's effort. Yeah. And his effort on that end of the floor this year has been levels and levels above what it's been in years past. The canter matchup is fascinating because canter has played great. I mean, this is an A-level performance from canter, right? based on what we thought he was going to give Portland, I would like to see Denver and Jokic make him at least finish with his left hand once this right, series, though. Right, yeah. The, the hand that's attached to the arm that's attached to the separated shoulder. But that's after Maybe Dame. Maybe it's separated. I don't even know. After Dame, though, that's been the story for Portland's postseason. Is he, Anus Cantor's good. He is good, man. I mean, I, I think people, you know, tend to, tend to pick the nits a little bit too much with him. Of course he's going to look terrible when you play, like, the elite sport spread pick and roll teams when you really make him defend in space but I think otherwise he's a solid player and as good as he's been in this series he's been equal parts annoying too yeah, yeah that's true he's he's certainly leaned into the injury thing just a tiny bit yeah I mean that's last fine night, I think I think it's added to uh yeah. the series a little I'm fine with it yeah I mean I, from I, an entertainment standpoint I respect his game and I, I think I'm higher in his game the most but oh my god I mean last night like posting the picture of him like oh, I could barely make it through the game with, like, his left shoulder, like, pretending like it was up in a sling, like he was resting in his jersey, and then tweeting at the NBA officials. Hey, oh this is the type of guy he is. This is the biggest spotlight he's had. He, yeah. ma- he matters to the best team he's been on, and the fans love him. So good for him. I get it. But Think about where <laughs> he was at the beginning of this year. He was on the Knicks. Yeah. And like, they- three months ago. And, and then, then they, they decided, decided he wasn't w- even good enough to play for them. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, he- I mean, they were probably thinking more... Zion Williamson then wins, to be honest. The defensive criticism of, of Cantor is warranted, but I'm not sure if there's a player for which the jokes are so disproportionate to what he actually gives you. This is a good basketball player. Oh, okay. I think so. I think he's fine. I mean, I, I think yeah. he's fine if you put him into the right role. Yeah, it helps playing with Damian Lillard, for sure. I mean, yeah. I'm not saying he's an all-star, but, you, I mean, are the... If he doesn't play well, the Blazers don't have a chance in this series. Right. And, you know, it's the reason why I thought Denver was going to roll in this series after game one, because Jokic would just dominate that matchup. And he has, but no, it hasn't really gone how the way game one went for, for a variety of reasons. Real quick, though, a lot more to get to on this game. A quick word from Strava Craft Coffee. Strava Craft Coffee is a game-changing coffee. It's the CBD-enriched coffee that has really changed lives. 
These guys' reviews, they're incredible. Make sure you check them out. This CBD-infused coffee has taken away long-term migraines, back pain, arthritis, IBS. It has helped to decrease anxiety. You name it. CBD is all natural and not psychoactive. The coffee is rich and tasty. We could not recommend it any more to our listeners. Check it out for yourself today. Receive 20% off when you use the promo code BSN2019 at checkout. And you'll get it shipped straight to your door. Let's move on to kind of the overtime portion, the overtime portions of this game. Maybe some events that we remember. What do you think was the most pivotal one in the overtime? Kind of Denver's blunders. Was it one of those Gary Harris missed threes? I remember that one in the corner specifically. Was it that Jamal Murray turnover on? CJ McCollum was it just Denver's inability to stop those straight line drives late in those overtime periods Lillard had some McCollum had some what do you think was kind of kind of the biggest area that Denver succumbed to that the biggest one of those events probably the third overtime where Denver was up four and yep. then had the ball up two with like 20 seconds to go I mean all Jamal Murray had to do was get the ball up the floor get fouled and go to the line where you know he's an 88 percent free throw shooter for his career uh, I, I mean, I honestly thought Denver had the game in the bag, and maybe that was stupid with, with how the game had gone, but oh, that, I think that was the worst one. I can't remember which of the 15 overtimes it was in, but <laughs> we talked about it on Adam's pod last night, the sequence where Torrey was in there defensively for Murray. They yep. do get the stop. They're up four with the ball, and then they lose possession. Uh, that was the moment where I thought, okay, this is it. They've got it done. Like Christian said, there was a lot of those moments, and we would have been wrong to feel that way in any of them. This loss hit a lot of guys hard, I think. What did you guys think of that scene in the locker room? Because it was a pretty dejected bunch, I thought. I mean, obviously what you'd expect after a four-overtime loss. I remember I look over and you could see Michael Malone in the coach's office just by himself sitting down, just holding a box score in his hand, just staring at it and muttering who God knows what to himself. Can... Denver bounced back from this, and based off the vibe you got post-game, do you think they bounced back from it Sunday here in Game 4? Uh, I, I think they can. I, I think this series is probably still going to go seven games, even though that, that was just demoralizing. Um, I, I think obviously, the biggest question mark is Jokic. I mean, the guy is, is just averaging a stupid amount of minutes right now and to go 65 minutes is pretty insane they they need to get him in like the hyperbaric chamber today they need to get him in the hot tub the cold tub do whatever they got to do but I still like Denver's chances they've, they've kind of been this resilient team all year we saw that in game three even though you know it wasn't their desired result or anything but I think they're gonna make this competitive you know what's funny about this team they kind of take on that Jamal Murray dynamic a little bit when the adversity hits when they're a little banged up they mm -hmm. step up and I don't think you go, was it 13-1 and one on the second night of back-to-backs? That's you, what I was going to say. Unless yeah. you have some fight. Um, I tweeted last night, and I do feel this way. I can't imagine. It's hard to imagine how a team digs deep and wins game four after that loss. But then again, that's sort of this nugget story. Inexplicable shooting woes, games they should have won, um, being backed into a corner despite all of their talent. And then really, really just finding it with heart and grit. So it would be the least surprising thing in the world if they win game four. I think the record on back-to-backs, part of it's just 
unexplainable and maybe a little fluky, but I really do get the feeling that this team really win or loss can just toss it to the side and they're so young they can just move on and just kind of start fresh the next day. That's one thing I didn't get to go in the locker room. I I stayed out at the podium, but one thing I've noticed covering this team, the the difference between the reaction of a fan base and media members after a big loss and the reaction of those players in that locker room. To your point, Harrison, they're often unbothered. Right. And I think that these are guys that know what they're capable of and aren't going to stress and freak out. And I think a portion of that has to do with this series because you ask guys on the record, off the record, they're very confident going up against Portland. Even yep. after game two when they lost, the sentiment coming out of the locker room was, all right, we're fine. Yep. You know, we, we know we, if we just hit shots, we're probably going to win. And they didn't hit shots for most of this game, and that can be a reason why it eventually got to overtime in the first place. But I still don't think that confidence is gone. It's probably not what it was after game two, obviously, but I still think those guys have confidence. And I think that's why, Christian, you keep hammering this home, but that 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 post-game presser, I do think that is the energy Jokic wants to exude right now and, and, and wants guys to sort of feed off of is, hey, we're fine. That was, that was tough. That was grueling. We got this. Yeah, and I think one other thing from this game you can take away and, and maybe feel a little bit better about Denver's chances going forward was Will Barton looked like Will Barton of the, the two or three previous seasons prior to this one. I was um, crying in the club, man. <laughs> so happy for the boy. Yeah, man. I mean, a pretty rough start to the game, but he really found his rhythm in the, in the second half. Um, you know, he, he did it with shot making. He hit some of those, you know, like classic, tough, contested floaters or whatever that Will Barton does. And he was also excellent, you know, on the glass and, and on the defensive end. He had two steals, three blocks in this game. He really made an impact everywhere, I thought. Great point. Was he, this a breakthrough for him? I mean, was this kind of was this him rediscovering his rhythm, or was this just a fluke? I hope so, and, and this is probably not how things work at all. But sometimes I, I'm, I find myself wondering, would it be different if they had won? If he had done all that and he wins, and and it's Malone's big speech right on the podium about his effort, we're all writing the Will Barton story. I think maybe there's a little more there, but I do think I do think there's there should be some carryover because it's been so long since he's seen the ball in the bottom of the net that many times. So he was 8 of 18 on the night, 3 of 7 from 3. So he was 5 of 11 from two-point range. Um, He still kind of looks rusty in the half court to me, but obviously got some shots to go down. I mean, do you think he's kind of broken the ceiling or broken the shackles on what was around his game? I don't think you can call it a breakthrough if it's just one game. I mean, yeah. you got to see him string a couple together. But it was great to see him knock down a couple three balls. Who's six of twenty nine from three coming into this series. I mean, really, him and Monte were the two guys struggling most with their outside shots on this roster. So Monte Moore still hasn't hit a three in the playoffs, too. Uh, it's been a really sort of undersold part of this this postseason. I think. Yeah, all of twelve from from distance in the postseason, and. The Barton performance is huge because this bench has been so bad in the playoffs, to be honest, and it's been surprising. I thought it would be better based on how good they were in the regular season. Mason Plumlee wasn't really an impact guy against the Spurs, had a nice game seven, had a nice game one against Portland, but has kind of faded, I think, in these last two. Uh, Monte Morris, we just spoke about his shooting struggles. He was 0-4 in this one, only played 12 minutes. Malik Beasley has looked 
probably like the most consistent player off Denver's bench. And if I'm him, I would probably think I deserve to play more last night. Did you guys think Malik Beasley deserved to be out there? I don't know. Maybe in the overtime period, especially when Portland went to a guy in Rodney Hood who had some fresh legs. Well, he had to be looking at Rodney Hood and thinking, I could have done that. I mean, I think Malik Beasley's better offensive player than, than Rodney Hood. He definitely had to be feeling like Hot that. Hot take. I'm just kidding. It's okay. A perfectly reasonable take. Yeah, no, I, I was half expecting when Portland went to a guy in Rodney Hood who was probably sitting on the bench for the last 30, 45 minutes that maybe Denver would counter with a guy as well who had some fresh legs because it was clearly a difference down the stretch. So, The only problem is unless, unless Malik Beasley is coming in for Jamal Murray, that's still the matchup that they're hunting. True. So that's how, that's, to me, that's the big thing, is that what we saw was a team with two all-stars, one top ten player, turn to Rodney Hood to close the game because of who was guarding him. Yeah. Malik, Malik, I think, could have played more and, and maybe should have played more. I, and we talked about this last night. I just wonder, there are these certain mental lapses on defense that are the types of things that I think take years off Malone's life. And, and, I yeah, do, and they're the type of things that Malone just has never put up with yes. as a head coach. Yes, and I think Malone is proud of Malik, but does not trust him quite yet. I, I think he's had a long leash on a lot of young guys, but when it comes to those defensive lapses, that's, I think, where his leash tightens up the most. Agreed. Let's hit a break real quick. A couple more things I want to get to on the other side as we wrap up here. We'll be right back. Piper Electric has been a part of the Denver community for over 35 years. Their reputation of being fairly priced, trustworthy, and dependable has allowed them to become one of the best Denver electrical contractor companies in the market. We believe Piper is the best because of their professionalism, because of their capability, because of their integrity, and because of the relationship we have built over the last year and a half with several of their key managers. That was Jim. He's been a customer of Piper Electric for over a year now and loves it so much that he recommends his own clients to them. Sometimes customers will ask us if we know of somebody who can be their regular electrician where they could call for anything from a small job to something much larger, maybe a remodel. And so we certainly have preferred people to Piper and Piper to them. From residential, commercial, and industrial, Piper Electric can handle all of your electrical needs. They've done actually everything from repairing a small wiring situation with a circuit breaker panel to adding additional circuits, adding parking lighting. So really, they have become a one-stop shop for all of our needs. If you call today and use the promo code BSN, you will get $25 off your next service call. That's 303-646-6765 or go to piperelectric.com. Welcome back to the BSN Nuggets podcast. We're presented by The Green Solution. You can visit mygreensolution.com. Use promo code BSN20 for 20% off your entire purchase. Harrison Wynn and Christian Clark here Saturday morning, coming off Denver's Game 3 loss, 140-137, to 137, four overtimes to Portland. We've also got Brendan Vote here from denverstiffs.com with us as well. Here's another storyline that's been apparent all series. The Nuggets have held Damian Lillard in check who came into this thing as probably the MVP of the first round, hit the series-winning, game-winning three against the Thunder in Game 5 that they showed at Moda Center approximately 250 times last night. The way Denver's held him in check, how surprising has been? Has that been in your opinion? And, I mean, can it continue? 
Well, I said last night, I, I thought, I think C.J. McCollum has been Portland's best player in this series so far, and that was definitely not something I was expecting coming in, especially with Dame, you know, just going nuts in the first round. I think Torrey Craig and, and Gary Harris have done an excellent job of holding him in check, and I also think Denver has found some success, you know, trapping high on that pick and roll. Um, you know, their bigs have done an excellent job of, of getting up on the court and, and really just making other guys beat you besides Damian Lillard. Yeah, what have you thought of the defense Denver's played on Lillard and, and the job Gary Harris and Torrey Craig have done on him? Hey, Adam, we're doing a podcast. Um, I thought that, look, the, the individual effort by Torrey Craig and Gary Harris here is, is making the difference. Um, it, it's a prideful thing, right? Denver's not a team that can really switch. They're not well-equipped to handle the pick and roll, but these guys are doing what they can uh, to limit Portland's best player. But I also think that, sometimes when a guy has the game that Dame had to close that series, what's fresh in our minds is him dropping 50 and, you know, he's not always going to drop 50. And I think he was content to turn to CJ tonight. He's been content to turn to Canner. A lot of that is, 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 is Denver's defense and, and making him uncomfortable. Um, and, and yeah, I think we all expected to watch Dame murder this team and, and that's, that's not what's happening so far. I feel like he's felt a little frustrated in this series, to be honest with, the officiating, I don't think he thinks he's gotten a fair whistle, if you ask him. And he went for 39 points in game one. It was a quiet 39, it seemed. 14 points on 5 of 17 shooting in game two. And he only scored 28 points in this four-overtime game. And if this was, you know, a regulation game, he wouldn't have wound up with nearly that total. Probably wouldn't have eclipsed 20 points. So I think Denver has done as good of a job on Damian Lillard as you could have really hoped for the Nuggets to do, and Denver's kind of forcing Portland's other role players to beat them, and you know a couple guys stepped up last night. Yeah, I think Lillard's had two subpar games from, from his standards. I think he was you know definitely at the par in game one, but that's why it stinks that Denver's sitting here you know one and two. I mean, if you force Lillard to, to play you know this bad, you, you feel like you should be up after three. Yeah, and I, like you said their role players aren't stepping up. It's been the bench, right? It's been the bench. What is it? Did Jokic sit for three minutes of the 68-minute game last night? He was a plus five, and they lost. Yeah, he came back on at, what, the 9-20 mark of the second quarter, played out the rest of the game. Jesus Christ. Yeah, <laughs> and they lost, and he was a plus five. So it's the bench. And, and Jamal Murray was a plus six as well. They've done what they've needed to do. They've limited Portland's best player. Their best player has has excelled. They've, they've created open looks for themselves. They're just not hitting it, and their bench players aren't getting it done. Does Denver make big adjustments for game four? Because the line of thinking coming out of that game two loss was, yeah, we need to make some tweaks here and there. We don't need to do anything crazy. We don't need to overhaul our game, our game plan. And they were correct. Do they make more significant adjustments now that they're in a 2-1 hole? And I think you look at game four as a must win. I don't think so. I think you look at all these opportunities where that game could have gone their way. I think you look at Mo Harkless hitting a, a huge three, and that's a guy who doesn't usually hit those shots. That's a guy who you leave open the whole series and say, make a, make him beat you. Yeah, I just think after a game like that, you, you can only just look at that and say, hey, we deserve to win. It didn't break our way. I wouldn't change much. Like you said, they've, they've kept Lillard in check. And a lot of those points, guys, were, were C.J. McCollum just hitting shots contested shots tough shots one dribble step back one dribble step back so you'll live with that if you're denver i think and do you know how many shots cj mccollum got up in this game how many 39 good lord 
I mean, Jamal Murray went 14 of 32. Jamal Murray got up a lot of shots as well. CJ McCollum was 16 of 39. 39 shots. That's a lot of shots. I think I shot 39 times my entire senior year of high school. <laughs> right, right. Do you think Denver makes big changes? Uh, no, I, I don't. I think they're going to continue to defend the pick and roll with Lillard the same with, with the bigs up. I think Craig will remain on him and, and Gary you know, fill in on Lillard when, when Craig goes to the bench. The only thing I, I guess I would, I'm kind of wondering about is, is, is Will Barton going to play a lot more minutes than he did in the first two games of the series? Right, or even how he was trending towards playing in this one before it went to four overtimes. I mean, he didn't play in the third quarter. Right. I don't think we're going to see a huge change in that regard because of what we all just talked about with the job Torrey has done on Dame. I, I think that's what you're risking there is probably more – than, than the likelihood that Barton gives you a similar game in game four. So I think Barton plays more, actually. Yeah. I mean, I don't envision the He's entire... He's not going to start, f- right? Is no, no, no. I don't, I don't think he starts. I think they stick with Torrey in the starting yeah. lineup, obviously. Malik Beasley is still probably the first guard off the bench, but, like, I think Barton gets in in the first quarter. You know, I think he plays third quarter minutes instead of waiting to come on in the fourth. I think Denver gets him in a little earlier. Yeah, uh, fair enough. Do you guys look at game four as a must win? Down 2-1 in the series. If Portland wins game four, they can obviously close it out in five and then close it out in six back here in Portland. Is this a must win? Every game is a must win. No, no, really, though. Is this a must win? Yeah. Yeah. yeah I agree. Come back from oh, they go down 3-1 after that. Yeah. And then this, there's no way. Yeah. I agree. This... Moda Center is a tough place to play. That was a, a raucous environment last night. Um, any any final thoughts from yeah, you guys? Trailblazers fans trying to turn Jokic into a dirty player is pretty hilarious to me. For me, I will remember that it was the Denver Nuggets that participated in a game that had the best that basketball has to offer. You look at the other series we have, Houston, Golden State, all the talks about ref and superstars and where does KD go next year. Portland and Denver, it was about the basketball. Last night we saw dope basketball, and it stinks that they lost. We'd like to soon forget this, but the Denver Nuggets are making memories again. This was the greatest basketball game I've ever seen live. Yep. No doubt about it. That'll never be top for me. Right, and it probably will never be topped. Yeah. Yeah, I probably should have, like, Give my final thought be so salty. Yeah, this right. was an incredible basketball well, no, game. But we were just talking about that before we started recording. I feel so. like I was exhausted after this game. I felt like I ran a marathon or something, and I just sat there for four hours. Yeah, feels like I this got was hit by a, a car. mentally draining game for us. Yeah, seriously, we really powered through it, guys. <laughs> yeah, nice job, guys. Get some ice. Get some ice on. Everybody, right. go get some quiche. <laughs> I think we'll wrap it up there. Brennan, thanks for coming on. Maybe we'll hear from you again this weekend. I'm sure. Uh, We'll be back with another episode soon. Talk to you guys then. If you're living in Colorado and you are craving some good old Southern barbecue, be sure to give Moe's Original Barbecue a try. My favorite thing about Moe's Original Barbecue is we are a Southern soul food revival. We make everything from scratch daily. House-made smoked meats and customer service to the next level. That was Robbie Peoples, one of the managers over at Moe's Original Barbecue. And like he mentioned, they have incredible food, awesome customer service, and I think my favorite part is how cool the environment is in both of their locations. We have live music at Moe's at our south location, 3295 South Broadway, which is a 
full PA system, ticket sales. Uh, we have national bands. We have local bands. If you're a local band interested in playing, feel free to contact us at mosdenver.com. We would love to have you come down and play for a big old party at Mo's Original Barbecue. Not only do they have live music, but they also have a bowling alley and a dozen TVs with all of your favorite games on. They have two locations, one in downtown Denver off Broadway and 6th, and of course the other one that Robbie mentioned in Inglewood. I would recommend some most to someone because we cater to all needs. A family-friendly atmosphere. We have Colorado beers on tap, all the games on the TVs. It will blow your mind with amazing barbecue. 